0: We're in this series in the book of Philippians. And if you have your Bible, I really encourage you. I know there have been different times and seasons. And I've got a little bit of a ring up here, Jesse, if you could um, help me out with that. Different times and seasons that, that would allow us to to say that I've shared, Hey, bring your Bible. And, and then we do it for a little while and then we forget. But I, I would encourage you to bring your Bible there. There is something about the word of God that is critical for us in this season of time. It's always been critical for us, but, but when you hear this message, it's going to help us. But in Philippians, in Philippians chapter one, we started our series last week in the book of Philippians. And I, I want us to, um, Continue on through that. But I, I want to share that, that I, I have a question for you. Is is unconditional love Christian? In other words, is, is that, are we being a Christian when we love unconditionally? Yes. My concern is, is we somehow have confused unconditional love. And, and by the way, I, I might just crawl under your skin today. I want to forewarn you. <laughs> Okay, I'm just forewarning you. I just might crawl underneath your skin a little bit today. And I'm going to crawl underneath my skin. Or I said, the Holy Spirit's going to crawl underneath my skin today too. Because in this quest for unconditional love, and then in our educational system has taught us really well this word tolerance. We start confusing unconditional love and tolerance together. And, and we begin to then start seeing some things seep into... The Christian way of thinking and the biblical way of thinking and the way that God is wanting us to think and live, and and we're getting confused. And so much so, we have churches today that would begin to start preaching a different gospel that we find than we find in the Scripture, because they feel like, oh, this is greater revelation, and 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 because we have lived in a season of tolerance, and and we how we've come to this place of realizing that that maybe we don't like to use the word sin any longer. We love to love, we love to use the word unconditional love. And, and here's the challenge is, is we don't ourselves like to be judged. And so we don't judge. And yet we are supposed to still call sin, sin. And we're supposed to call right, right. But the scripture tells us in the last days, we, we will get confused. We'll get confused. We won't know what is right any longer, and we won't know what is wrong any longer. Actually, we start to flip those things. What was wrong, we call right, and what is right, we call wrong. So the scripture tells us. When I was young, at the age of nine, I moved to Oregon with my family. We were living in Ottawa, Ontario. My dad was a businessman, and he decided that he wanted to have a career change and to become a doctor, and so he had to go back to school in his late 30s, early 40s, and we moved out to Oregon, and uh, I loved my time in Oregon. There was a creek that ran through the property, and um, we dammed up the section, and it became this little pond um, that there was a tree hanging over it, and we'd swing off, of, off the rope swing and go into this little pond, and it wasn't very deep, but it was enough that we could get wet and jump in and not kill ourselves as boys, and... But I remember one time we just go into that um, little pond and it's mucky and muddy down there and we just have a mud fight and we're standing in there long enough slinging mud at each other. And eventually though, we're standing there long enough and we try to get out and we can't because we're stuck, (laughs) stuck in mud. And I think sometimes our world, we do that a little bit. We, we get stuck in a place. We're having fun, and we're slinging mud, and then we realize, wait a second, I've been slinging mud long enough, and I've been in this muck and mire long enough that actually we get stuck, and we don't know how to get out. And, and I think right now what's happening in our culture, we're getting stuck, and, and today I want to help us get out. And I would say that, well, aren't you just talking to Christians? Aren't you just talking to the church? Why are you talking to us? Why don't you be talking to the world in this way? And I would say sometimes I'm seeing it happening in the church. The church itself is actually getting stuck in some wrong thinking and some wrong theology and some wrong, it's no longer the gospel that is being preached. And, and we need to make sure that as a church, we don't come to this place of realizing that the tolerance Is the same thing as love? So I will answer is unconditional love Christian in a moment. But if we read Philippians um, starting in verse 8. Remember this is the Apostle Paul who's in prison. And he's uh, writing to the church in Philippi. He says the church meaning group of people. For God is my witness. How I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it's my prayer that, you, that your love may abound more and more. So he's starting with what is critical, right? That your love may abound more and more. Not your judgment. But your love may abound more and more. That's good, right? We, we all agree with that one. With knowledge and discernment. That word, those two words are so critical in this, this message today. With knowledge and and discernment. Can you say knowledge? Knowledge. And discernment. Say discernment. Discernment is understanding, knowing what's right and wrong. Discerning between good and evil. Knowledge is, is applying what you know, right? You, you can't just know something and not apply. That's not really knowledge, right? That's just kind of uh, thinking. But knowledge is a, applied thinking, right? You, you begin to apply it. So you have to know how to apply the truth of God's word and you have to discern right from wrong. And if we know that the scripture tells us that in the end days, people will call wrong right and right wrong, that we then also ourselves, as a culture continues to be pervasive in in some ideas that would be anti-biblical, that would be anti Traditional Christianity, and I would say traditional Christianity because I believed Christianity was rooted in the scripture, but, but we are becoming extra-biblical, meaning we're adding things that aren't in the scripture, and then we're calling it right. And that concerns me, and I think it should concern you. But, it, but if we have to come to this place of knowledge and discernment, and we do know that knowledge and discernment are spiritual gifts, Right. And that these spiritual gifts can be given to us. And I want us to to long and yearn and ask the Holy Spirit to give you more knowledge and discernment, especially in these days. And then it says this, so that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless. Do you ever remember watching shows? I don't, because I've never seen it in person. I think they still do this, but the police lineup, right? They will line up a bunch of people and they would put one suspect in there and they'll pick like five, ten other guys that kind of look like the suspect. And then they'll bring the witness in and say, can you pick out the guy from the line? My question is, if we were to be lined up as Christians, as followers of Jesus, with people who are not following Jesus, would somebody be able to pick us out of the line and say, I recognize that one because they're different. That's a sobering thought. And should we be recognized or are we should be camouflaged in our world? And I I believe that the, the scripture tells us we are to live distinct. We're to be holy as he is holy. We are to live a separate life in the world, but not of the world. So the question is, what does love look like if it's not tolerance? It's interesting, for those of you who have been um, a little bit younger, you would, you would probably just know very well, right? Because we, there, our teachers teach us that it's really important to be tolerant, right? People are very different, but we're all the same, and so we just need to be tolerant, And and the reality is what happens is we start doing that with sin and we no longer call sin, sin, because it's just different. We'll let them do that. That's good for them, but that's just, I may not do that, right? Or if a Christian friend does it, well, I don't really want to call it sin because it's just tolerances. Love is tolerance. Love is unconditional. We just let them do what they're going to do. But is that love? Is that love? So I have a new puppy, as some of you may know, um, and it's like a toddler in the house. But but if I didn't take the time to bring correction to my little pup, her name's Ripley. She's a, an all-black German Shepherd, and um, she is a, a little handful, that little girl, and but well, she wants to chew everything, she wants to get in everything, she wants to, we've got a potty trainer, but, but if I didn't bring correction, and if I didn't put boundaries, and if I didn't um, discipline her, she would be an absolute menace. She'd be chewing our furniture, she would be going to bathroom in the house, and she would just be like chewing up shoes and jumping on people. Anybody would come to the house, she would jump on, right? If I didn't bring correction to her, and, and here's the thing, I love her so much, that I want to bring this correction to her because that's how we're going to have a relationship. Because if she didn't, wasn't going to be correctable or, or follow that, that discipline, guess what would happen to her? She would go bye-bye. <laughs> now, here's the reality. is God doesn't, I mean, human beings are so much more important than an animal, right? But, but at the same token, the scripture says God disciplines those or corrects those he loves. Doesn't he? So sometimes we have to look at what is love. Love is not just free-for-all. Love is just like tolerance. Love is just like do what you want to do and I'll put up with you. And I won't ever say anything because actually uh, we're taught to be tolerant of everybody. That everybody's differences doesn't have to be mine. And and again, we're so afraid to, to call it for what it is because we don't want to judge. But the reality is, that, yeah, the scripture does says that we're not to judge those outside, but we're to judge inside. But the reality is we're still call, supposed to call sin, sin and righteousness, righteousness. And I think we, we have lost the courage or the capability to do that. The question is why? The question is why? Why have we lost some moral authority as followers of Jesus to be able to still stand and say that's wrong? And I know it's hard because somehow it's going to feel like you're, you're being judgmental and or maybe you're being the hypocrite. And, and, I, and I get it. I get that we all have stuff in our life and that, that makes us feel like, how am I supposed to say this is wrong when I'm doing wrong in my life? And I, I would say we always start with ourselves. We always start with ourselves. We have to say, Jesus, what is, what is going on in my life? And, and have the courage to call your own stuff sin. That's where it starts. But it's not comfortable because we all like to be right. I always get nervous when I preach these messages and people start leaving the room here. They're just going to the bathroom. I know they are. I know they are. But my self-conscious, my insecurity starts to rise up. It's like, oh no, I really am getting under their skin. <laughs> preach it. I know. Keep giving me the love. I'll, I'll keep doing this. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Just do it. All right. There's some scriptures. You know, the thing is, I want you to hear the word of God, not Mark. So Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint or they lose their way or where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint I used to think that that would be a scripture that would be used to talk about mission, vision, right? We talk about vision. Without vision, people perish. There's other the other scriptures say we need to cast vision. Uh, but it, it's actually translated more revelation. And I think the thing is, we need to understand we need to have a revelation of the holiness of God and the revel- of the revelation of Jesus Christ. He didn't go on the cross so we can just be tolerant. He went on the cross for sin to take care of sin, that we would come into right relationship with, with the Father. And he always, when he met people who had sin in their life, he didn't have, um, he wasn't just saying, I just love you, go on your way. He acknowledged the sin it was because he knew the sin was binding people and he wanted to set them free. See, this is what happens is when we were playing in the pond and the muck and mire, we're having fun. But at some point in time, we realized after slinging all the mud and having fun, we're stuck, and the reality is, is if, if anybody has done that and they've gotten stuck before, they need somebody on the shore and what they need to throw them a, a line or something. So they're like, I can get you unstuck. They need somebody to help them out. And I think sometimes, I feel like maybe we're all in this situation together and we we're stuck, but but who's on the solid rock on which we stand? All other ground is sinking sand. We need to be on the solid rock and then not judging, but throwing lifelines for people and saying, still calling, hey, that's mud and you're going to sink and you're going to get stuck, but I have hope and I have good news and, and here's a lifeline for you. And I it's not like I'm judging you and guess what, you're going to hell. I'm judging you, and, and by the way, I've got stuff in my life too, but I'm just still judging you. No, we're saying let's call it for what it is and then continue to throw lifelines to each other and say, let's get out together. Let's get out together. Because when we're standing on the rock and when we're standing on sure ground, we find that that's where there's hope. That's why there's peace. And that's where there's this contentment. And this is where where life starts to take on shape. That's where we start living in the kingdom of God. And then, then there's peace and goodness in that. Peace and goodness. I want to read a couple other scriptures for us here. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this but understand this that in the last days there will come difficult times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self lovers of money proud arrogant abusive disobedient to their parents ungrateful unholy heartless unappeasable slanderous without self-control brutal not loving God treacherous treacherous reckless swollen with conceit lovers of pleasure Rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Then he goes on to say, avoid such people. Now that last one seems pretty harsh. And I think that avoid those people, it's more of like, it's not like, hey, separate camps Right, We're to be in the world, but not of the world, but we're trying to, we're saying avoid being like those people. And the interesting thing is friendship with the world is enemy or enmity with God. And, and here's the thing too, sometimes we build friendships with those people and we realize that they are actually pulling us from the solid rock in which we stand into the muck and mire and it's actually the trick of the enemy to get us stuck. And we have to be careful of the friends that we're keeping and we have to make sure that are we the one being fishers of men and women, are we on the solid rock who are willing to cast a line or, or the, the, um, the little dinghy there when somebody's drowning, what do you call that? The round circle thing. <laughs> Buoy. life thing, the life ring. Life ring. Lifesaver. Life, saver. life preserver. Life preserver. <laughs> that thing that has a rope attached to it that you throw to help somebody. <laughs> you can make up your own words for that. We're going to call it the dinghy today. <laughs> and the interesting thing about that is why you're not just saying good luck over there. No, the idea is you're pulling them to shore or you're pulling them back onto the boat. You're pulling them to safety. There's a heart of compassion. So, so love tolerance is not love. Tolerance is I'm going to put up with you. Tolerance is, is I'm going to turn the other way. Turn the, I'm going to look the other way. Tolerance is not love. Love says I care about you and I see what's going on in your life and and I want to show you a different way. Love is when you have a brother or sister who is caught in sin and you say, "Can I come alongside you and can I help you walk out of it?" And you acknowledge that it is sin. But you don't point a finger and say it's sin and say, "Good luck." Instead, you say, let me help. But you still have to acknowledge what it is. And I think in our world today, we are are coming very to the slippery slope that we no longer have the ability to call wrong, wrong, and right, right. Everything becomes relative, right? And that's what tolerance does, everything becomes relative. What's right for me doesn't necessarily mean it's right for you, and what's wrong for me doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong for you. It's all relative. And then we're taught tolerance and then we no longer have the ability to say right and wrong. We just have to say what's wrong can be right for you and what is right for me could be wrong for you. And we've lost that there is an authority through God's word through Jesus Christ that says these things are right and these things are wrong. And we need to be in God's word to have the understanding and the ability to still call right, right and wrong, wrong. So my imploring you to be in the scripture is really important. So I want you to bring your Bibles. I want you to test what I'm saying. I want you to look at the scripture yourself and understand. But I do believe that we need that that, um, spirit, the Holy Spirit. And we're in a season that we need more knowledge and more discernment as the world continues to be confused. So the question is, are we to love unconditionally? Yes, we are to love without condition. Because love loves in a pure way, like God's love is pure. But here's the thing. But, but Christian love still calls wrong, wrong. Christian love calls righteousness, righteousness. Christian love calls sin, sin. But true love helps somebody walk out of darkness and into the light. True love is one who will throw a lifeline, but will also draw lines. Church, it's important to know this, that you can still draw a line. You can still draw a line and say that is wrong and this is right. This is my encouragement for you to church today. I know we are sitting on this shifting sand and, and, and sometimes we are very cautious about saying certain things. And I'm not saying that we should blast things on our social media and start calling the things that we know are wrong to be wrong. That's not the right place for it. It's done in a relationship. It's done out of care for somebody. It's not done to just stand on a platform and start yelling from the rooftop because we know that without love, and the question is, what is love? But Without love, we're, clanging, we're a clanging symbol. We're just a noisy gong, right? Without love. But So you have to ask the question, what is love? And love is willing to go into those places and help somebody out of, of the bondage that the enemy has placed in them. See, it's not love just to say it's okay. It's not love just to be tolerant and let somebody go living their life. A friend, a loved one. My wife just lost a cousin. A couple weeks ago, they lived locally, to a drug overdose. Same age as my wife. They grew up together. And I did her funeral yesterday. And and I wonder if at some point in time, what this gal needed was somebody to say, this is right and this is wrong. If I were to reflect, and, and I'm thinking about even my puppy, you know, if I just basically say, the world is your oyster, go do whatever you want, and, you know, whatever pleasure is, is in your heart, go bite another shoe, and go tear up another piece of furniture, like, not down to shreds, right? Go, go to the bathroom, wherever you want, in the house. It would be chaos. It would be chaos, And yet many people are living in chaos. And they don't know how to get out. And nobody will tell them that is wrong in a loving way. There'll be lots of people who will want to judge. But who will actually come and say, you know what? Like Jesus did at the woman in the well. Yes, you've had multiple uh, relationships. And the guy you're with right now is not your your husband. Go and sin no more. (laughs) Do you have the courage to say to somebody that you are in a relationship, go and sin no more? And by the way, that go and sin no more is called repentance. It's called saying, hey, this is what it is. Let's turn the other way because, by the way, what you're doing right now is hurtful and harmful. And it's creating chaos in your life. But we're so afraid to offend. We're so afraid to call things the way they are. But, but, but I agree because I think sometimes I've seen it on, on social media, right? It's like, why did you do that? Oh, why did you do that? Oh, just like you make statements and stands. And then you wonder why people think, oh, Christians, they just are haters. No, it's done in relationship. What, is, what does God do when he disciplines us? It's out of relationship, right? He says, I love you so much. I can't let you keep going down this path. All right. I want to close with a scripture. Actually, I do need to answer this question. I put it in the email this morning. How does our love go grow cold? Matthew twenty-four, verse twelve. These are Jesus' words, and the the section is signs of the ends of the age. And church, we, we uh, we are coming to the ends of the age. We don't know when Jesus is returning. We just know that there are signs all around us. But in verse 12 in chapter 24, it says, And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And the end will come. You see, see, the love starts to grow cold when, when people cast off restraint. When people stop calling wrong, wrong when, when lawlessness abounds or when, when there's no boundaries anymore, when there's no restraint, that people just do what is what they just want to do. And the interesting thing that's connected to love, love grows cold because I think what happens is we just start saying, I don't care what the other person does. Everybody's just doing what they want to do. And, and we just kind of like, well, I'll just become an Island to myself, me and Jesus. Just go let them do their thing. And the reality is, is if love is not cold, if love is is hot and love is compassionate, that we are gonna move into those places where people are stuck in the mud and we're gonna throw lifelines. But we're not gonna be afraid to say, in the midst of loving and saying, caring for you, so like, can I can I bring you to Jesus who who died on the cross for your sin? And by the way, this stuff that you're doing right here, that's sin, and it's causing hurt and pain in your life and the life of others, because that's what sin does. Sin creates separation of relationships, separation of your relationship with God, separation, separation of your relationship with one another. And then you say, well, well, you know what, but here's the reality, but I've got stuff in my own life. Who am I to even pretend that I've got something together? And I get that. That's the dilemma, Right. But in 1 Peter it goes on to say this. 1 Peter 1:14. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, obedient children Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. In other words, saying he's calling you out of something, right? You you were stuck in the mud. You were slinging mud. You were having fun in the muddy pond. Now you're stuck. Somebody helped you come out through Jesus Christ and says, Don't be conformed. Don't go back to the way you used to live. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. See, I think the other trick of the enemy is say, "Oh, grace, grace. You like we're all sinful people. We're we're saved by grace." After the after all, the Apostle Paul, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I wanted to do, I didn't do. You know this this battle with the flesh. But so we give up, and then we just kind of get complacent, and we just kind of like, I oh by I go by the grace of God. But here he's saying, no, be holy as God is holy. We know the full righteousness is only through Jesus Christ. And I said, I'm closing, but I feel like I'm ramping up. Sorry, guys. But I want us to consider this, that that we are to live a holy life. And what does that mean? It means that we have to learn how to be obedient children of God. It means that when you see sin in your own life, by the way, the Holy Spirit will convict you of that. That means that you need to change and repent and choose to live not that way. Don't be conformed back into the passions of your former ignorance, but as he's called you to be holy, also be holy in all your conduct, all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy as I am holy. And if you And if you call on him as father who judges him partially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear for the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So we understand that we take our our junk before the before God through Jesus Christ on the cross, but then we contend to live a holy life. We contend to live righteously before him. And I get it. We all fall short, but it doesn't mean we give up. We keep pursuing. And as we're pursuing our walk towards holiness, we're always throwing lines of hope to people. We're throwing the dinghy, we're throwing the lifesaver, we're throwing the ring, we're throwing the life preserver, whatever we call it today. We're throwing it out and saying, as I'm walking on this solid ground, which is Jesus Christ, I still know I'm imperfect, but I am trying, I'm striving to reach the goal. To be more like Jesus, come follow me as I follow Christ. Come, let me give you this lifeline. All right, now I'm truly closing. And I'll try not to ramp back up again. First Thessalonians. Chapter Five. If I can find it here. Thessalonians, Thessalonians. Here we go we got it Colossians to no back where's Thessalonians guys help me out here it's in the Bible that's that's very helpful thank you very much Thessalonians in the Bible after Colossians <laughs> after Deuteronomy that's Old Testament you need to be back in your Bible I know that one all right Ephesians Colossians see doesn't this make you feel there it is Thessalonians See, guys, even I still work to try to find where things are in my Bible. It's okay. It's okay. 1 Thessalonians 5. 23. These three scriptures that I've used today are all about the end times. Jesus spoke about it in in Matthew. We had 1 Peter. Peter talked about it. And then we have Paul to the church in Thessalonica says this Starting in 19 Do not quench a spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Stay away from it. I love this thing, though. This is kind of summing it up. Test everything. Have discernment. But the knowledge is putting into practice in obedience to what the God, God's word says, right? So there's the knowledge and discernment. But test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace. This is like our benediction today. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Blameless. Holy. Obedient. Sounds like we're being charged with something. Sounds like tomorrow that you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to wake up and try to be more like Jesus. It sounds like to say that I'm going to continue to be in God's word so I know how to discern right from wrong. I know that knowledge, knowledge of God's word applied makes me wise and makes me have the ability to, to walk it out so I'm going to be in God's word and understanding how to apply God's word to my life. And then I'm going to call right, right and wrong, wrong and still do that in relationship, not get on my soapbox and not get on social media and start blasting people, but go in relationship saying, I'm throwing you a dinghy, a lifesaver. Follow me as I'm following Jesus. I'm imperfect, but I'm striving to be holy as he's holy. To be blameless as Jesus is blameless. church is only going to get harder. We're only going to feel more pressure to give in to the ways of the world. It is already seeping into the church at incredible rates. And are we going to be a church that has the courage to stand and say, this is right and this is wrong. This is righteousness and this is sin but the only way that we can stand is if we are standing on Jesus Christ, our solid rock. When all other ground is shifting, stand, will we stand on Jesus' word, which is right and true? Would we pursue righteousness? Would we pursue holiness? Would we pursue saying, I'm faultless before the Lord? Let's pray. Jesus, We realize that correction is love. Discipline is love. Lord, we do that with our kids because we don't want them to turn out to be little monsters. (laughs) We bring correction and discipline and Lord, you say you discipline those you love. Let us not chafe at your discipline in our lives, Lord. Let us pursue your righteousness. Let us pursue your holiness. We want to be blameless before you. Let us cast off everything that hinders so we can pursue the goal, the prize that you've called us to, which is in Christ Jesus. Lord, let us stand once again with conviction to say this is wrong. This is sin. And this is right. And this is righteous. Father, there will be a day that there will be a dividing of truth: the sheep from the goats. There'll be a great separation: wheat from chaff, wheat and tares. There will be this distinction, Lord, that we would be that we'd be standing in a police lineup, and they say, "I can see that one. I, I identify them. They're different. They have genuine love." They have moral conviction. They stand on God's word and don't waver from it. They see the needs around them and they press into those needs and they meet those needs and they are rescuing those who are caught in the muck and mire. I recognize them, they're different. They don't look like the rest of the world, they look different. Let us be ones that are distinctive for you, Jesus. Let us be distinctive for you. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.